Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And you're, you're about, about to get, get jumped. jumped. Hold on. Okay. So this is a very different episode than the one that we usually do. In that this one is spoiling a active season that is going on leading up to it, I guess. So we decided to do this because we were given the very unique chance. If you haven't listened to it yet, you should go listen to it, uh, where we interviewed three of the huge voice actors that are working on the American dubbed version of My Hero Academia season five that is coming out right now. Because of that, we were like, hey, we should do a My Hero Academia recap. And because of that, we are going to be spoiling all of the seasons of My Hero Academia in one episode. <laughs> yeah, it will not include anything from season five, which is the new one that's just now coming out. Um, I would also say we'll introduce each season as we get to it. So if you haven't seen a later season, you can still listen to the earlier parts. But, um, you know, it's all going to be in here. One through four, all in here. Also, no spoilers past the show or outside of the show because I have not read past the show. I don't know what happens. Spencer, who does know what happens, will not be providing that information today. So uh, no spoilers for the manga. No spoilers for the current season that is now airing but full spoilers for the show up until this point yeah so with that being said we are going to go ahead and jump in with season one but right before we do i just wanted to point out if you have not heard of my hero academia number one what planet are you from and how can we relocate to it because ours is on fire but number two um if you are into superheroes or you're into high school hijinks and fights, both of those things are going to be what you're going to get out of this show. So if the only thing yeah, that you're looking for I'm... here is a recommendation on if you should watch the show or not, our recommendation is yes. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's worth giving it a shot. Um, I would, I would say even if this isn't your cup of tea, it's such a well-told story that it might be one of those that transcends your cup of tea. Uh, so you may enjoy it even if you don't generally gravitate toward shonen series or superhero stories. Uh, it's worth giving it a shot. Although I would think that the, uh, I think that the early season has a bit of, or like the first season has a bit of a slow start. Mm -hmm. So if you're not bought in on it, I, I would say if you if you're not bought in and you are willing to give it the time, uh, I would give it a, a handful of episodes before deciding whether or not to continue, um, because I think the show takes um, actually a surprising amount of time to set up, given the fact that it generally has such a quick pace. But like uh, it takes two full episodes minimum to get sort of like the foundation established of the series and i would i would go so far as to say getting like three or four episodes in is really going to be you getting a feel for how things are going to kind of go um i would also note i've been thinking about this a lot my hero academia superhero story i love superheroes um as i've said many times i'm a big superhero fan part of you know what i love about superheroes is the epic you know, epic con conflicts that they get into with cool powers against other people who have cool powers. And of course that is uh, one of the things that I like about anime too. And so, you know, I like Naruto in the same way that I like, I don't know, Marvel movies, 
uh, or in, in a lot of the same ways because the sort of core hook is people with cool powers getting involved in interesting conflicts and using those cool powers against each other. So I think that's something that you see a lot in anime, particularly in the anime that we generally cover on our show. But one thing about superhero media is that um, it's so pervasive that there's lots of different versions of it. So what I've been thinking about is that, you know, there is a sort of um, dark take or deconstruction that is also very popular. I'm thinking specifically of The Boys and uh, Umbrella Academy, which are both relatively popular superhero series on some of the big streaming networks um, that are currently ongoing series. Um, and I like both of them, but uh, they are really dark. The Umbrella Academy is a little bit of a a little bit less about the superhero aspects and more about um, sort of the toll that having powers might realistically take on you. Um, the effects of being that type of like superhero-ish specialness could could you know could cause on your adult growth and that kind of thing. So it has a sort of like cynical whimsy to it. And the boys is a deconstruction in that it is talking about superheroes who are abusing their power, putting, you know, taking advantage of the trust that people have in them sort of letting it get to their head and a group of people who uh, generally don't have powers rebelling against that established order. And so I think these are really interesting stories, but um, I, I find that as much as I can enjoy them, particularly I really, really liked watching the first season of the boys. I haven't watched the second one yet, but um, I really liked the first one. Um, I binge watched it and I'm not much of a binge watcher. So that, that tells you how much it hit for me. Despite that, I was reluctant to start watching it. The only reason I did was because my husband said he thought I would like it. And the reason I was reluctant was because it is a deconstruction and I like superheroes unironically. And I think the thing about My Hero Academia to note is that it is an extremely sincere and unironic look at superheroes. The core of the story is about the determination to be a hero because it allows you to do good things, to help people, and to make the world better off than when it was before you got involved. And that is sort of the core of the like sincere approach to superheroism. And this series is all about that, while still allowing for some really interesting conversations about the nature of superheroes, superpowers, um, the the systems set up around superheroing in the world that they've established here. So I think it, I think it's able to dip its toe into those things, but always with this sort of bright-eyed, optimistic, sincere approach to superheroes. And that is my preferred approach, and I really respond to that. Okay. Without further ado, uh, spoiler warning for season one. If you want to put this down and pick this up and go into it with like a super long view of it. Um, you can watch all of season one and then pick this up and listen to us talk about it. But really, you should just watch yeah. the show. But if you wanted a recap before you watch season five, this is what it's really here for. Anyways, um, we pick up with our main, main, main character. There's a lot of main characters in the show. You should know beforehand yeah. that this show is all about the cast. There is a lot of characters and they are all pretty important. 
This one is going to be arguably the most important character. Um, however, uh, when we meet him, he is just uh, another boy living in a world of superheroes that isn't a superhero. His name is Azuku yeah. Midoriya, and uh, he, he doesn't have a quirk. <laughs> yeah, he also goes by the name Deku, which is a derogatory, uh, a derogative nickname given to him by his childhood friend slash bully. <laughs> it's always so weird because all of the flashbacks, he's like hanging out in a friend situation with Bakugo, but like Bakugo clearly just resents him the whole time. And I'm like, this is like that tragic thing where like you became friends at, at like, you know, your earliest memory or maybe even you were already friends by the time your memories start. But he kind of never liked you, <laughs> but he was like your friend established from way back when. So you were always like, no, he's not my bully because we've been friends forever. And so therefore cannot be my bully. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, oh, Okay. Um, so he's also going to explain, uh, in a narration pretty early on that sometime before the series starts, uh, people started being born with superpowers. It happened kind of randomly. There's no real explanation for it. It just one day a baby was born with superpowers and then more people started getting born with them. And now over 80% of the world's population has superpowers. And I actually showed this first episode to some friends of mine the other day and they were like, before they revealed that Izuku does not have superpowers, they're like, man, imagine being in that 20%. <laughs> That's like, yeah, imagine. <laughs> so, yeah, the superpowers are called quirks, and Izuku does not have one. But he also is obsessed with the most popular hero. It's a guy named All Might, who uh, his whole deal, he's kind of a he's kind of like a Superman type, super strong, really big, muscly dude. Hard to hard to take down. Um, definitely doesn't have like all the flying and heat vision and all that stuff that Superman comes packaged with, but sort of the you know big strong symbol. Um, and he his big thing is that he always saves people with a smile. And he has inspired uh, Izuku from a, an early age that he wants to be a hero just like All Might because All Might helps people feel better and saves people and izuku thinks that's the greatest but then he finds out that he does not have a quirk and so the odds are not in his favor yeah in uh after his school day which if you want to if you want to get more in-depth stuff you can go watch it we'll probably eventually cover all of my hero at some point but this is to give yeah. you a... I mean, we're covering all four so. seasons at once here so it's going to be a little high level yeah so after his uh, pretty brutal school day where he was just treated like just a complete piece of garbage, um, he is walking home and uh, he gets, he, I, I think, I, I don't remember if he gets accosted or if somebody else is getting accosted. I think there's just a robbery that takes place. Um, and there's a so there's a villain whose quirk makes his body basically like a living slime and he was committing crimes and is looking for a way to get away from the police and has a chance encounter with Izuku while Izuku is walking home alone. Yeah, so yeah, there's going to be a, the chance encounter with this villain. This villain is going to first attack Bakugo 
Uh, Bakugo is the person that treats him no, badly. No, he attacks Izuku first. Oh, and then Bakugo jumps in? <laughs> I can't remember what happens. Uh, that... Okay, so Izuku is walking home. He encounters this villain. The villain starts trying to um, climb inside of Izuku's body. Uh, and Izuku starts to suffocate. It's a little unclear what's going to happen here. Is he killing Izuku? Is he going to like take over his body and control it like a puppet? What's going on? So uh, either way, the villain's doing something villainous to Izuku. And All Might comes along and uses his abilities to... Um, basically punch the air so hard that it creates a, a wave of air that blows the slime villain away. He captures the slime villain in a soda bottle and then is like, be more careful and jumps away. But Izuku is so excited and surprised to meet his hero that he grabs on All Might's leg while he's jumping away and like starts flying through the air with him. And they end up on a rooftop where All Might is pretty much not having it um i also think this is the first time that his form is revealed which is the fact that all might actually is a really scrawny guy who is able to pump himself up into a super muscly form by utilizing his quirk uh, but that is a secret nobody knows that uh izuku sees it uh by accident because all might jumped away onto the rooftop intending to transform back uh without any prying eyes and izuku you know hitched a ride yeah um however then the slime villain escapes again because mid-flight the uh bottle containing him fell out of all might's uh pocket and here the slime villain finds bakugo which is izuku's schoolmate slash childhood friend slash childhood bully who has a very explosive quirk which specifically is that his sweat acts uh, similarly to nitroglycerin and he is able to ignite it and basically create giant explosions predominantly from his hands and uh, the villain sort of covers him with slime and starts kind of doing the same thing it was to Deku but sp speaking more like he's going to take over uh, Bakugo's body and use him um, and take advantage of his very powerful quirk so Bakugo is now being taken over just like Izuku. And Izuku comes upon this after departing from All Might's side and is like, oh my gosh, when I hitched a ride, I must have caused like his pocket to be more open because I was grabbing onto his pant leg or maybe I bumped the thing. Like this villain escaped because of me and it's attacking my friend. Mm -hmm. And so that's how that's how the slime villain actually gets its hands on Bakugo. Yeah, but instead of running away from this fight, Deku runs to it. He's going to go and he's going to try to fight against this villain, even though he doesn't have a quirk. This is going to really catch All Might's eye after All Might ends up saving everybody. And uh, after this, All Might decides that, yes, you are quirkless, but um, because you are quirkless, you have the unique ability to accept my quirk and it turns out that all might has this ability called all for a uh, one for all yeah one for all yeah and one for all is the is this super super powerful quirk that takes older quirks um or it takes like it, it's like passed along throughout generations and it's like a, a quirk yeah. that passes along from person to person to it person. gets explained later where you basically you're you have the quirk and you can pull on the strength of 
the people who have had the quirk previously, and then you sort of like whatever strength you gain in your life is added to the quirk as it's passed on. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, in the office when Dwight is talking about how originally he was a twin, but then he resorbed <laughs> the other fetus. And so now he oh has the power God. of an adult man and a tiny baby. This is that just... is one for all. <laughs> oh, God. It's not that at all, you guys. Whatever. That is uh, exactly how it works. So he's going to at me. <laughs> he's going to eat a piece of all my tear because you have to ingest part of the DNA of the person that is passing it to you. And because he ate some of all my tear, he is going to gain the ability of using one for all. He then goes into the big, big thing, which is the thing that moves everything forward inside of this world, which is the Hero Academy. And yeah. he... Hey, so here's something interesting. I was watching these episodes and the Hero Academy, the, the most prestigious one, it's called UA Academy. And my husband was like, why is it called UA? What does that stand for? And I was like, well, I have no idea. And I had to Google it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, obviously, I know this answer. I've watched this show so much. And then I just like had no idea. I was like, it's clearly an acronym for something like University Academy Academy. I don't know. Like, what is it? So it turns out that the the word for hero in japanese is au and so ua is the word for hero reversed and made into letters great it doesn't actually stand for anything it's just a reference (laughs) okay so he's gonna join this academy and he is going to uh be put into a series of tests to see if he is going to be able to be in the normal part of the academy, or he's going to be put into, like, a bottom-rung part of the academy, or completely just kicked out of the academy. So, the first test is going to be a a test where, I, I think the big, I think the first one is the big giant robot test, right? I think so. I think they do a written test maybe before that, but, uh, That happens off screen. Yeah. There's a written test and then there's a big giant robot test and Deku is going to be immediately behind everybody because he doesn't really know how to use his power. It was explained to him that he he can activate this power and he trained for a really long time before he got into the school with All Might, but not nearly long enough in order to make his body strong enough in order to carry all of the strength that One for All has inside of it. And so when he finally uses his power for the first time during this big giant robot battle thing, he completely disintegrates his arm after completely disintegrating his leg. Not disintegrating, breaking all the muscles, lacerating all the muscles and breaking all the bones in each one because the amount of exertion from releasing the strength of uh, One for All is just so strong that it just destroys him and then he just yeah and that's not it it's not one for all's fault necessarily because eventually his body will be strong enough that he can handle it but so like this is not the thing that happens to all might all the time he's not also constantly breaking his own arms when using you know just making one punch but because izuku is you know a young kid who's just now getting into high school like his body is just not strong enough to handle the you know hyper advanced strength level that 
one for or uh, all for one. Oh, yeah, uh, you keep uh, doing it too. <laughs> yeah, I can't. <laughs> I it's think all it's for one, one for all, right? One for all. <laughs> it's one, no, because all for one means everything for me, right? That's the villain. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 it's. Do one not for all. talk to us about how dumb we are at this, people listening. <laughs> yeah, so he is he is healed afterwards, and then there's going to be a really big part of the show that is going to be this meeting of different heroes. And I am going to give you a breakdown of all of the heroes in class 1A, which is going to be the class that he is going to be in. And I'm doing this for all of those people that love it when I pronounce things wrong. So, here we go. So I knew that that was it. So, seat number one. There's like 20, right? There's 18 or 20 characters in his class. Strap in, everybody. Here we go. So seat number one is going to be Yuga Ayoma. Seat number two is going to be Mina uh, Ashido. Uh, <laughs> seat three is going to be Suyo Asui. <laughs> Wait, you're not even explaining what they do. <laughs> I'll get I'll, okay. I'll I'll do it. I'll do it again. Okay. So the first one is going to be uh, Yuga Ayoma. Uh, Ayama Ayoma. <laughs> Oh my um, God. His ability is that he can shoot real dumb lasers out of his real dumb laser belly button. Um, <laughs> he he's a very silly character. Um, uh, then there's going to be Mina Ashido. Um, she has the ability to number one be pink and have black eyes with little yellow dots for the centers of her eyes. But her other ability is that she can shoot out. It's, I think it's, I think it's like a, a slime. I, I don't know if it's a slime or if it's, um, it's some sort it's of acid. like, like, her, I don't know if it's supposed to be her sweat or some sort of secretion from a gland, but what it is, is it is an acid and it, it, uh, completely breaks down whatever it hits. It's a, it's a cool ability. Slime girl. Yeah. Slime girl. And then next is gonna, seat number three is going to be uh, Suyu Asui. Um, I'm definitely pronouncing that wrong. Uh, she's she's known more so as Froppy uh, by most people. Uh, she has the ability of being like a frog. She uh, can jump real high. She can stick out her tongue and it like super extends. It she seems like she has like hyper advanced movement capabilities and reaction time. So that, uh, then there's going to be, uh, seat number four, also the class representative, which is going to be Tinya Ida, uh, or Ida. Uh, he has the ability of, uh, these, like, it's like motor engines, exhaust engines that stick out of the back of his legs and they make him go super fast. So he can, he can basically release exhaust jet propulsion from his legs and run super duper fast it's a super weird quirk but there's lots of weird quirks um yeah he's a good example of like what we've talked before on the show about like how a lot of the times like western heroes have just sort of like powers like they are super strong or super fast or whatever Ida is an anime version which is like one of the things i love about anime is that there's that extra layer it makes it a little bit more unique and a little bit more restricted and to me a little bit more creative which is he's super fast because he has engines in his calves and it, the result is that he's a speedster 
and largely can do stuff that that a lot of speedsters can do at least on a baseline that we're not talking about barry allen flash or whatever here with like time travel and stuff but like going fast he does that but he does it because of engines in his leg and i just love anime so much anyway let's go <laughs> okay then we have seat number five which is uh Ochako, uh uraka uraka um she has the ability to release gravity on things that she touches and also re restart the gravity on it. So she has a really interesting ability. It's one of my favorite because I, I have to imagine that it's one of those that is going to become ridiculously powerful. And if you're somebody who reads along with one piece and has run into anybody in that world that has gravity powers, uh it becomes just amazing and super duper powerful and i have to imagine that she is eventually going to be unlocking some of this ability uh unless you know they do that thing where they make girls not strong inside of the world but that doesn't seem to be the yeah, which, case so far yeah the zero series does not seem to be doing that it, i did notice on my recent rewatch that like m- most of the story focuses on the boys, which is mm-hmm. not atypical for the medium, but it is a little bit disappointing when the, a story like this has such good girls in it too. Um, but there's still sort of like the main characters out of the ensemble cast are like a trio of boys. But that said, and in there, I would say their powers are maybe some of the bigger, flashier, like less ambiguously strong ones. But all the girls also have good powers except the invisible one. Yep. Then we have seat number six, which is going to be Mashiro Ojiro. He has the ability of he has a tail. I'm just going to leave it like that. Yep. Um, it's cooler than it sounds, but that is what it is. Yep. Uh, then we have seat number seven, uh, uh, Denki Kaminari. He has this ability called, uh, I think it's static is his ability. Um, it's It's just he can release discharges of electrical energy that he stores up within his body. Um, it is a really cool ability that he is honing in the most recent arc. There's, there's the most recent arc does a really cool job of the them breaking down their, um, their their powers into a a more succinct power. By the way, most recent arc that I mean is not going to be the most recent arc in the manga. The manga is way further than this, but season four of the most recent anime. Um, a season that completely came out there is a big jump in power level where they these characters are really starting to learn what their abilities are and getting uh, they expounding on these abilities to make them more and more powerful um, next one is going to be seat number eight uh, Ijiro Kir- Kirishima um, he has the ability of hardening his skin um, he can become uh, basically harder than a rock at some points. Um, then there's going to be seat number nine, Koji Koda. Koji Koda has, I think it's called animal speech or beast speech. He's able to talk to animals and control them. Uh, think about him as the land version of Aquaman's normal ability, except for he doesn't yeah. have super strength. <laughs> so, well... You know, he didn't grow up in the deep pressures of the ocean, so where would he have gotten that strength from? Yeah. Then there's seat number nine, Rikidu Sato. Um, He has the ability called, I think it's called Sugar Rush. Um, If he eats sugar, the more sugar he eats, the more strength he he gets. 
So he can go into like a super, super strong man mode if he eats lots of sugar. Um, seat number 11 is going to be Mizo Shoji. His ability is that he can uh, shoot out different, not shoot out, but grow additional appendages that can have like eyeballs at the end of them, uh, like fingers at the end of them. He, he, he has the ability to just kind of like grow additional limbs as needed. It's it's a really weird ability. They haven't spent a lot of time on him, but I think that's one of the coolest abilities from Class One A. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's one of those that feels like it could get out of control if they don't like, you know, if the if the author doesn't, <laughs> you know, iterate carefully on that. Okay, then we have Kayoka Jiro. She has this earjack ability so that she can basically plug into any inanimate object and hear through it. Um, she also has this, uh, I believe she has like a, a, like a discharging ability. I don't completely remember. I, she's one of those that I don't feel like they've spent enough time with. Um, but anyways, yeah, her earjack, she can plug it into things and it kind of works a little bit like Toph from avatar, the last airbender mm. where Toph sees, through the vibrations in the earth that are caused when people, you know, step or move around on the earth with Jiro, she can plug her ear into it and like hear it, it amplifies her hearing in a way that is similar to, but not quite exactly like that, that sort of heightened senses from Toph. And then, yeah, she is able to expel it. I think that's a result of some equipment that she has. I think if she does not have that equipment, she does not have that option. Yeah. Um, next is seat number 13, Hanada Saro. Uh, Hanada Saro is a really weird ability, which is that he can shoot tape out of his his uh, his elbows. It's it's a great really to have around at Christmas. Weird, it's like a really weird ability. Um, but anyways, um, next is going to be seat 14, uh, Fu- uh, Fumikage Tokiyomi. He has the ability. He looks like a bird, number one. But he has the ability called Dark Shadow, which is like his shadow, which also looks like a bird, can extend and become bigger and attack things. It's really wild and uh, will. It's got some cool drawbacks to it, but we'll get into more of that later. Um, next, we'll have the arguably most overpowered character inside of Class 1A, which is going to be seat number 15, Shoto Todoroki. He has the ability of hot and cold. Um, he can, through one part of his body, create insanely powerful fire attacks, and through the other side of his body, create super powerful ice attacks. He is ridiculously powerful. Um, seat number 16 is going to be uh, Toru Hagakuri. She is arguably the least paid attention to a character, and that's because her ability is being invisible. Um, she can yeah. <laughs> not become uninvisible, so she's just always she, yeah. She's invisible. now that you say that, she's probably the only person in this group of main characters that I could not tell you anything about her other than her power. Uh, yeah. Then we have uh Katsuki Bakugo. Um, Katsuki has the ability we talked about before of like napalm sweat. Um, Izuku Midoriya is seat number 18. Um, he has the ability of one for all where he can use, you know, that super strength ability we talked about before. 
Um, then we have seat number 19, um, uh, Minoru Minita. Um, he has an ability which is still doesn't make any sense to me, um, where he can pull off uh, parts of his hair and they're like sticky balls and he throws them at things and climbs with them. And I have no idea how he's in this class with these other characters. Um, but well, so is the invisible girl. So, I mean, like arguably what did she do during the robot test that made her one of the 20 best? Yeah. But think about like, she's her power. Her power is insanely powerful. If you really think about it too, like, yes, it's not destructively powerful, but as somebody like, if you need a stealth mission, she is like the best powerful you you can possibly have basically. Um, and then the last one, which is going to be seat number 20. Um, is going to be Momo Yao Yoruzo. Um, she she has a really cool ability, which is that she can manifest things through her skin that she thinks of by using her metabolism to create it. Um, she can basically make whatever she wants out of her body that includes like guns and also like pens or whatever she wants to make. Um, and yeah, she like expels inanimate objects from her body by transforming them using her quirk out yep. of her, like basically out of the, the energy that she has from like eating and stuff. Yep. And that is all of your main characters inside of class one. A, um, and that takes us to the first main thing that is going to happen in the pinnacle of season one, which is that they're going to be training throughout all of season one. But at the end, they are going to be doing this uh, rescue um, mission that's going to be one of their missions tests that they have to pass. Inside of this mission, they are attacked by a group of villains um, known as the, I guess they're, I guess they announce themselves as the like League of Villains or whatever. Um, yeah, they do. Th- inside of this fight. And uh, they are going to come and attack Class 1A. Before they are taken out, though, um, All Might is going to show up, and All Might gets into a fight with a big, bro- uh, burly monster that they have brought with it called a Nomu. This Nomu has the ability that it can regenerate and it can become stronger as it needs to become stronger. This is going to be a lot of people's first introduction to insanely awesome fights that are going to be inside of my hero academia there's going to be a lot of cool fights up to this point but this was the one that separated this show from the pack and had a lot of people like oh this is a show that has one of the best fight sequences i've ever seen in anime ever and it is the fight between nomu and all might it is insane um you should look it up uh if you just want to relive it or um, you should get ready if you're going to go watch it for the first time. It is fast-paced as well as being like all out, as well as being one of the things that makes this show so good, which is characters having limitations, but pushing beyond their limitations as far as they can inside of the world until they either bend or break. And this yeah. is going to be a moment for All Might where he bends to the situation and he almost breaks, and it is such a good tension, as well as just an insane fight sequence. 
this is something I've been thinking about a lot too. In addition to me talking about like the sincerity of this series um, at the beginning here, I, I've been thinking a lot about one of the things that really stands out in my mind is that My Hero Academia is about characters who are just absolutely determined and expressing that determination, not letting themselves fail and, and sort of pushing through their limitations. In fact, there's a motto in the series called Plus Ultra Go Beyond, which is what they say. It's, I think, the school motto for UA, and it just means pushing past your limits. Uh, and that that manifests in the story over and over again. But the reason I've been thinking about it so much is that this is not unique to My Hero Academia by any stretch of the imagination. The like absolutely determined will you know won't quit because they just believe too much that that they should succeed, and you know frequently pushing through until they do actually succeed is actually like a trope of shonen protagonists to the point that it's a little bit tired and i've been thinking about that in the perspective of this series like that that is also something that you can say about naruto naruto has that exact character trait of being just so determined that he's going to keep pushing until he gets what he's trying to achieve and you know this is just i mean if you go through all the shows that we've covered in uh in our podcast coverage you can probably pick out no fewer than one character per series and i mean one prominent character who shares that trait so then like what it's been making me wonder and i don't know that i have the answer to this exactly is why does it work so well here in so many places it stands out as just sort of like the standard shonen protagonist personality is that they are optimistic and determined you know, regardless of whatever odds they're facing down. And it can be really cool. Uh, and it can also be tiresome. I would say Naruto is both. Sometimes I find Naruto's optimism and determination really inspiring. And sometimes I'm like, okay, this is just the thing Naruto does. And it's not that, per not, not a really creative way around whatever, you know, situation he's resolving. But with My Hero Academia, my suspicion is I think that the writer, the creator of My Hero Academia is so good at utilizing that determination in the context of these characters and what they're doing in the world. And it is so applicable to the idea of being a superhero. Like the whole point of being a superhero is being determined to, to do good for its own sake and being determined to save people because the alternative is terrible. And so, you know, there that idea of determination and no 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 uh space for failure makes a lot of sense in a superhero narrative. And I think that it just lends itself particularly well and then the author is so good at bending the story in such a way that it just twists around this motif and it twists around this sort of like thematic synthesis that like the he just consistently makes the act of them pressing through their limitations a an emotional breakthrough moment that has brought me I've been brought to tears multiple times watching this series and like it is so frequently tied to these characters determination and 
Again, it's not unique to the series, but I think the series does it in a way that makes it feel fresh and new and just so, so effective. Uh, and this is really, I would say, the first big example of this. Because the other thing is that Nomu is not a regular villain. Nomu is a monster created in a laboratory by taking quirks that were selected because they would be good against All Might specifically. So like one of the quirks that they bring up a lot with this Nomu is that it has shock absorption so that All Might's super-powered punches don't affect it nearly as well. But in the fight, All Might, they, they tell that to him and it's got, you know, super strength and it can regenerate and it's got all these things that are going to make a really strong guy like All Might have a hard time beating him. But All Might's just like, okay, well, you said shock absorption. You didn't say shock nullification. So all I have to do is punch past his limitations of absorbing my blows, and then they'll start working, and I will win. And it's just so fucking good, even though it's a really simple solution. Yep. That takes us into Season 2. So if you are somebody who doesn't want Season 2 spoilers, this is where you check out. If you are on on board, you can go ahead and get uh, not... Not going to have a ton of stuff for this season because this season is really about two things. The first thing is going to be a big giant sports festival. And by sports festival, we mean tournament arc. Um, it is, yeah, it is such really a good just, tournament arc. Yeah. It's, it's one of the best, uh, it's one of the best tournament arcs, um, that I've, I've seen probably ever in an anime. Um, it is, yeah. uh, it is really, really intriguing. There's going to be a lot of back and forth. There's going to be a just great breakdown of what happens to our main characters. Um, a lot of different ones are going to have huge pieces of growth that are going to happen. Um, two of yeah, which the, are the, going to be both um, Midoriya as well as Todoroki. Um, they're going to both have really, really big jumps in their their plot arc about their, their story and who they are as yeah. people. It's what makes the tournament arc so good and what makes any tournament arc so good is that it's about the ways that the characters are either growing or applying that growth. And here, as I said just a second ago, this this author is so good at synthesizing the character growth, emotional beats and themes that he's going for with the action that's actually taking place. And in this instance, the tournament arc is like the perfect vehicle for the learning about the characters that we do here and it's so good but it's really uh it's really intricate and we we won't be able to get into it so suffice it to say there's a tournament arc and there's a lot of character growth that comes from it um there's also some bad news that comes from it because there's a guy named the hero killer stain who's going around killing heroes and he gets his swords into the older brother of one of our heroes tenya ida the guy with engines in his legs and while he doesn't kill his brother, he does uh, injure him so badly that he'll not be able to be a hero anymore. And Ida is upset and wants to do something about it. And it happens to coincide with them being away from the school for some internships as well. Okay, and then um, the big other thing that's going to be happening inside of the season is that um, Izuku is going to have a one-week internship with a hero that nobody has really talked about up to this point. His name is Gran Torino. 
Um, it turns out Gran Torino is uh, one of the uh, the people that trained All Might. Um, he uh, he is going to show off and teach um, Izuku uh, how to use more of his quirk without injuring himself so much. Basically, he's learning how to limit himself. So um, yeah, it's also interesting because it's like you've been thinking about using this quirk in the same way that All Might uses it, but maybe you should use it in a different way. And so Izuku completely shifts the way it manifests in him and it changes his fighting style entirely. Yeah. Um, that is going to uh, lead up to uh, traveling around and trying to catch the hero killer Stain. Um, and they are going to have a huge, huge fight with him inside of an alley with uh, a couple of other characters uh, t- that I think it's Ida as well as Todoroki is going to be there as well. Um, yeah. And Stain's... And a pro hero who is incidentally there but doesn't actually do anything. Yeah. Um, They're going to end up uh, capturing Stain. Um, however, his ideology is beginning to eke out into this world. And that is an important ideology that is going to shape a lot of the rest of the show. Which is that... It's also uh, cool. It, it, it is a, a really great example of, like, how do you do superheroes for real? And Stain is a is a perfect encapsulation of that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the, the next thing that is going to be happening here, um, is, man, there's not going to be too much here. I, I know that, I know that we say a couple more things, but really we should just get into season three. Um, because, there's, yeah, they, they have final exams. Yeah, they have final exams, but really that just takes us into season three. Season three. Uh, so if you want to jump off, again, be prepared. Um, there's going to be uh, a training in the forest, ep- a bunch of episodes. It's really the whole season is about training in the forest, um, except for while they're training in the forest. <laughs> I they are attacked by the League of Villains again, and we get... Just so many cool um, League of Villains that are going to be fighting against them, and here we go again. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give some uh, some League of Villain names and give oh, some of God. the powers, and uh, you're just gonna you're gonna have to be okay with it. Um, I had them pulled up. Um, okay, so no, 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 no. No, League of Villains. There they are. Um, so, um, League of Villains, the one that is going to be one of the leaders is going to be uh, Tomuro uh, Shigaraki. He, his ability is that he, anything that he can touch, d- he can make age. So it, it will like completely disintegrate. Um, it is an incredibly powerful quirk, um, and he uses it to devastating ability. Um, Kuragiri is going to be second in command. Um, he has the ability to open up portals with like this, like portal made of darkness. It's a, it's a really, it's, it's pretty weird. Um, then there's going to be Dobby. Dobby has the ability to make super, super hot blue flames. Um, uh, Himiko Toga, uh, Himiku has the ability to, uh, take other people's blood and if she does that and tastes it, then she can change her outside form to look like the person. 
Um, there's then going to be a character named Twice. Twice has the ability to break himself into multiple versions of himself, kind of like multiple man. Um, Spinner. Um, Spinner is a lizard guy, and I don't know if he has any other abilities other than being a lizard guy. Um, Mr. Compress. He seems super strong, and he uses weapons, but I don't know what his quirk is other than not being a humanoid. Yeah. Um, Mr. Compress. Mr. Compress has the ability to uh, touch things, and then it, that'll turn them into like a little marble, um, which he can then expand out or just leave it as a marble if he wants to. Um, there's going to be Magni, uh, Magni, I, good Lord. I cannot remember his ability at all. Um, is he I, the, the steel mouth boy? I don't think so. Um, there's one that's like all wrapped up in like a leather bodysuit, and then like steel blades spew out of his mouth. Yeah. Hold on. Um, I think, uh, yeah, he's, he has the Magnus and the quirk. He's the, he's the Magneto quirk guy. Um, there's going to be muscular, um, muscular has the ability to just keep on expanding his muscles to make himself, you know, stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Um, then the one you're talking about is named Moonfish. Um, and then oh, there's yeah. also a, one named Mustard. And I don't even remember either one of these, which is how, you know mustard yeah i don't even i don't i'm assuming he was the one that made all the gases um oh yeah that was him yeah so i don't he gets captured yeah i don't yeah that's he's the gas guy he 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 does knock out gas yeah so this um this whole sequence when they're trying to fight against the league of villains really culminates inside of a fight where um midoriya is going to have to overcome a his limitations in order to fight and defeat muscular on the side of a mountain while saving a little boy that is part of the i think it's like the cat the the cats i can't remember their names <laughs> yeah there's a it's a hero team that has a cat motif yeah i don't remember their name off the top of my head either but uh yeah they they have this kid that's been adopted who doesn't like heroes because his parents were heroes and then they were killed in the line of duty and now he resents all heroes and then deku saves him and then he's like no maybe heroes maybe yeah kind of and uh really the culmination of this fight and battle is really the whole season um it's it's really all about (laughs) them training and then it leads to a whole bunch of fights in the forest um and them having to figure out how to <laughs> to become heroes to fight against this team inside of the forest. We've been going for like almost an hour, dude. <laughs> yeah, but the the muscular fight is the first thing that happens. It's not the culmination of the season. Whatever. What what else happens this Baku, season? So Deku fights muscular, he wins, his body is wrecked. But he finds out from Muscular that the League of Villains are attacking not to cause uh, problems for the heroes, but specifically to kidnap Bakugo. And so he teams up with some of the other uh, people from his class to try and save Bakugo, and they are unsuccessful. So then Bakugo is taken by the League of Villains. Oh, God. Tried to convince I him forgot to... that this part happened in Season 3. I thought it happened in Season 4. Man, I have no. my seasons all fucked up. No, there's... 
there's the whole other sequence which is the capture so much more that's why you were like it all just is them training in the woods and i was like not really yeah i forgot that the rest of the season is like a rescue arc to get back uh their their comrades that were captured in the forest man i thought that was for some reason nope so uh yeah uh bakugo gets captured by the league of villains who are like you are a volatile motherfucker I think you would fit in here. And Bakugo is like, I think you're very wrong and I want to fight all of you now. And then the pro heroes show up and rescue him. And also several of the students uh, led by Deku uh, also are trying to rescue him, which is definitely a no-no because they're already kind of on thin ice for all the bad things that have been happening at school. Some of which they're, they're not responsible for, but they've been getting themselves involved in ways that have made a real liability issue for the school. And so they're supposed to be being on their best behavior, but instead they sneak out to save their friend. And so the pro heroes show up at the league of villains hideout to rescue Bakugo. The students show up at a different location that turns out to be a Nomu factory. And then this horrible man called uh, all for one shows up. And that sounds familiar because Spencer and I kept fucking messing up earlier this episode. and saying that's the name of my all might's power. So All Might's power is one for all, which allows him to get stronger because of the people who had his quirk before him. All for one has the ability to take and disseminate quirks. So he can steal people's quirks and have them for himself. And I believe he can also give quirks away. Yeah, he uh, because is. Because we will. Yeah, we find out at some point that actually All for One created one for all by giving his quirkless brother the ability to have a quirk and the quirk he got was passing his strength on to someone else. And that eventually led to Deku who is way later. We find out is the ninth person to have one for all. Yeah, it is. It is a, a, a huge, huge plot moment inside of the show. There's also going to be the most masterful, insane fight, which is going to happen at the end of this season. Um, which I was convinced happened in season four, but apparently happens at the yeah. very end of season three, which is the fight between All for One and All Might is unreal. It is. Yeah, this is edge of your seat stuff. Like, I literally had my hands covering my mouth while I was watching this because it was so intense. Yeah, it also has uh, the United States of Smash um, that happens inside of this fight, which is just like. Him punching with the last of his strength and all of the strength that had come before him into um, All for One and just oh, smashing him across. And uh, All for One is defeated and captured and put into a prison. And that takes us into season four. Not quite. Bakugo is going to have a fight with Deku also. Yeah. Okay. That also happened. That's a huge thing. So, just look at the notes. I made the notes for both of us. No, I can't read. <laughs> so, so uh, in his fight with All for One, All Might burns out the last of his power. And in fact, he returns on camera to his scrawny form, which is a huge revelation for the world. And it's kind of a, an intense moment because they're like, All Might is known as the symbol of peace because he's been around for so long as a symbol that heroes will always be there to protect you and now on here on camera he has inadvertently revealed 
that he is not this big, strong figure that everybody has has thought of him as. But the good news is that that's in the context of him beating a really dangerous villain and rescuing a lot of people in the process. And so it's kind of one of those things where it's like, this is a reveal that really shook people's perceptions of heroes. But a lot of people were so convinced that heroes are great, great news because of the context around it. But now All Might's not there to protect them anymore. And what are we going to do? Yeah. And he also points at the camera and is like, now it's your turn. And everybody is like, that means we all have to be good people. But Izuku knows that he's actually speaking directly to him about how he, as the successor to One for All, must now be prepared to step up and soon. And Bakugo, who has had his own suspicions about how similar Izuku's quirk is to All Might, also pieces those things together and steals away in the night with Izuku to confront him about this, and then is so pissed because Bakugo comes from a background where he has an amazing, powerful quirk and a family that really supports the idea of being the best, and his dream is to be the greatest hero and surpass All Might. And now he's just found out that his like fuck-up friend from childhood, who he always looked down on, is the actual literal successor to his hero and he has trouble with it. So the two fight and it is one of the best fights. It's so, so well animated. It's insane. It's so good. And then they kind of get their aggression out and Baku goes like, look, I'm not going to tell anybody your secret, uh, but I'm still mad. And then, yeah, that's it. (laughs) Okay, fine. That takes us to season four. If you are uh, somebody who is uh, behind on a season, um, you should check out here. Um, but this season has been my favorite animated season so far, um, by a large margin. Um, and the biggest reason why is because my favorite part of the show so far has not been the actual characters that are inside of the Academy. And let me tell you why my favorite characters inside of the show so far have been the pro heroes that we get uh, a a glimpse at and the different villain characters that we get exposed to inside of the show. And we get a full arc and background of a character that we have not seen before as a villain. And we also get the story of a couple of other heroes that are just so interesting. Batgum is one of my favorite characters inside of the season by far. He's so, his power is yeah, so weird so good. and so awesome. Um, also, like the big three's abilities, all of their abilities are so cool. And um, a character that I'm going to introduce now, which is the main big villain for this season, his name is Overhaul, and his ability is insane. His ability is that he can touch things with one hand and tear them apart and touch them with the other hand, and put them back together. So, he um, he uses this ability, um, avent- first and foremost, he uses his ability when he goes and meets with the League of Villains. He's telling them that he needs to, um, he needs to team up with them uh, in order to become more powerful. The League of Villains basically tells him to, like, screw off and uh, attack him, but when they attack him, he just completely just kills the magnetism guy like he just straight up murders him (laughs) yeah he just touches him and his upper body explodes it's just his power 
is like Scar from Full Metal Alchemist. It's also like the uh, main JoJo for part four of JoJo's. Yeah, man, it is. Oh god, his, his ability is so cool. Um, meanwhile, at the school, um, the uh, the characters are meeting up with upperclassmen, and the upperclassmen are going to um, invite them along uh, to be a part of the different hero organizations that they are interning and working with. Uh, Mirio is going to take Izuku to work at the uh, the the place where he works, which is going to be with Sir Night Eye. Sir Night Eye was the old um, uh, sidekick for All Might, um, and uh, he he has one of the silliest moments in this show so far, which is he's trying to make All Might. Uh, he's going to try to make Sir Night Eye laugh in order to become one of his interns and being taken seriously. So he does an All Might impression, which is like him just turning his face into looking like All Might's face. Just yeah. ridiculous. Um, also, I love Sir Night Eye's ability. It's so weird. Um, it, whoever he touches in a 24-hour period, I think, um, he can predict their near future. Um, and if he wants to, he can peer further into their future, but he doesn't like to do that because he thinks that it, he, he can't tell if it, like, will create their future or if he's going to be influencing their future if he knows too far um but he yeah he touches deku in order to use this ability and he's he it's like a it's like a film reel playing in his brain so he sees everything that deku is about to do and deku tries to like jump around the room and touch him or or like get him um in order to prove his strength and sir naide is able to avoid all of this because he can predict what is about to happen yeah, his quirk is also sort of central to the one of the th- main themes of this story, which is again that he he and All Might used to work together, but they are estranged currently because he foresaw the exact challenges that All Might is going through now. And that was one of the last times, or maybe the last time that he used his quirk to peer further into the future. And so because of that, All Might, All Might was basically like, well, you know, that's not necessarily set in stone, and I need to be a hero, so I'm gonna still do what I'm gonna do. And Sir Nadai was like, you're gonna, you're, you know, you're gonna end up hurt, you're gonna end up revealing your true form to the world and causing all these problems, you know, you're gonna end up eventually dying from the injuries that you sustain in your fight with All for One, and. He, they're upset because Sir Nighteye loves All Might so much that he can't stand the thought that All Might's going to die. And he feels at once mad at All Might because he he saw All Might's death and warned him against it and All Might just did it anyway. But in a much more serious sense, he feels that the future that he sees perhaps his quirk isn't seeing the future but setting the future in stone and so potentially he might be looking into the future to see if somebody dies and when he sees that then they will inevitably die because he saw it and he can't be sure that he it wouldn't have happened if he hadn't looked into the future yeah so he's, it's a weird has this it's a weird like fundamental self-doubt thing. yeah you what it's i said it's a weird juxtaposition for a character yeah uh, so and it's also like maybe, but I don't know that you know you can't prove the negative. You can't you can't see what happens if you did something opposite of what you did, right? Okay. So like, 
I understand that that conflict. It's really interesting, and, and it's sort of like foundational to his arc here. So then we are going to get our main goal of our villain overhaul inside of the season. His uh, his goal is that he wants to make more people less powerful and so the way that he is going to do that is um he doesn't want to make them more powerful he wants to he wants to corner the market on taking away powers and giving them back and so uh and that will make his underground organization like the most powerful uh, underground organization in the world and so how he's going to yeah it's a version of the yakuza that's changed with the advent of hero society yeah so what he is going to do is he's going to be creating these bullets that can take away people's quirks um this there's going to be a a cool fight that happens it's not important unless you're really jumping into the season other than knowing that these are these bullets and you're also going to get a really cool growth moment for one of these characters but anyways um, that takes us into the main thing that is going to be happening at the start of this season, um, which is um, they are looking for this young girl that has been traveling with Overhaul, and her ability seems to be uh, driven from this little horn in her head, um, but we're not 100% sure what she does other than um, they know that she has been captured and taken away and they need to save her somehow. Um, there's a brief meetup moment between Mirio and Izuku where they are like, she's in trouble. We need to help her. But she's like, don't worry about helping me and just goes off with Overhaul because she has been horribly, horribly abused by Overhaul and treated terribly. And so that's her lot in life so far. Yeah, it's an interesting hero moment because Izuku is like, this is a girl that clearly is afraid and is asking for help, and I, as a hero, can't look the other way. Whereas Mirio, who's with him, is like, this is a girl who unfortunately is with the guy that we are staking out, who is the leader of a criminal organization, and we don't have any proof on him yet to take him down. So mm-hmm. if we get involved now, the investigation is shot and he will walk free. Mm-hmm. But if we keep watching at the expense of letting this girl go now, we might get the information we need. Then we can raid his his compound, shut down his organization and rescue her. Yeah. And so there's a really cool interplay. It doesn't get a ton of time, but I, I like that Like they're both being heroic in different ways. Yeah. That leads to uh, the main fight inside of this, which is the raid that happens between a bunch of pro heroes and also some heroes that are given um, uh, uh, status to go in as well with these pro heroes in order to take down Overhaul's organization. There is a massive fight. If you have not seen season four, you want to remember them. There are a lot of very good fights. Um, that happen. Uh, one of my favorite is with Fat Gum, as I mentioned before. Uh, there is also a uh, truly amazing one between Overhaul and Mirio. There is also a truly amazing one between Deco and Overhaul. Um, there is also a, a, a there's a bunch of very very good ones, um, and you should definitely watch them. But it leads to yeah the conclusion, which is that Overhaul is defeated because. Deku gains the ability for a short time because he is with the little girl um, and the little girl has the ability to rewrite history or not rewrite, but rewind history is what I meant to say. Yeah, Um, I think her quirk is called rewind. She is Orihime, although we don't know that yet. (laughs) Yeah, Um, (laughs) she she, if she could turn back time, you know, if she could if she could find a way. Yeah, 
Um, so she, yeah, she, the bad news is that her, her quirk, she doesn't really understand it. It activates basically based off of her emotional reactions and not at will. And so she can rewind things and people around her. I think specifically that she's like in close proximity to, but then she can't turn it off. And the distress of realizing that she is rewinding someone without knowing how to turn it off sort of heightens the fact that it's not getting turned off. And so she's like trying not to use her power because she might rewind you out of existence. And the drug that overhaul made is utilizing her quirks ability. Somehow it is not specified or even attempted to be hinted at, but somehow they utilize the fact that she can rewind people to help refine a drug that can remove people's quirks. It basically rewinds the part of their system that is the quirk back to before the quirk manifested. And I'm assuming it's also part of the cure, which rewinds somebody back to how they were before they had their quirk taken away. Um, I'm definitely inferring a lot there, but that's the impression that I got. That's why they had her. That's why she was being abused. Um, But because she's able to rewind someone, uh, she basically sits on Izuku's back while he fights. And so he is able to essentially do moves that would tear his body up, maybe beyond repair, but she's rewinding him as fast as he's damaging himself. And so he's able to fight through it. And that's how they beat overhaul. And if it weren't for that, they would not have beaten overhaul that that's very clear. Yeah. Okay. This leaves us with two main big giant things that happen because of this fight. The first is that uh, Mirio has been hit with one of the bullets that removes his powers. He is now quirkless. Then also... This was devastating. Mirio might be my favorite. Yeah. Night Eye loses uh, in a fight trying to uh, deal with Overhaul, and he is mortally wounded inside of the fight. Um, He dies in a horribly sad... um, moment inside of the show it is a real tear tearjerker so just be prepared um i was not prepared yeah. to be so attached to night eye at this moment um and, but it, but it, it is- also has a a hopeful element because he foresees he uses his power and sees that izuku will lose his fight against overhaul and be killed and then overhaul will escape with with Eri, and that doesn't happen and mm-hmm. so he realizes like as he's dying like oh the these predictions don't make things happen. They just see what's going to happen and it can be changed. Yeah. And so maybe there's this sense of hope now, you know? Yeah. Um, then we have, uh, we have really two big more plot points that are going to happen inside of the rest of the season. The, the yeah. first plot point that is going to happen is uh, one of our, our favorite villains of all time, or at least one of my favorite villains of all time, um, is going to be introduced inside of the show. Um, he he is uh, he is a, a very a, I don't want to call him silly um, villain, <laughs> um, but he his ability is that he can create like bungee anything. So like whatever he touches can become like rubbery, um, even air. Um, and uh, his name is Gentle Criminal. Um, and he is going to fight with Deku a, a, a couple of times in a, a sequence where Deku is chasing him and trying to prevent him from stopping the music festival that they're throwing to make Eren happy, um, for the, or Eri happy for the first time 
because they have they haven't been able to get her to smile and they want her to experience some kind of joy in her young life um because she has been completely horribly treated so far he yeah. wins also they have a music oh yeah the league of villains also uh attacks the convoy that's moving overhaul to prison and like kills all the heroes and police watching over him and then shigaraki dissolves overhaul's arms so that his quirk is functionally removed because he has a chip on his shoulder from when they were trying to work together and overhaul killed one of his uh one of his league of villain guys and then like was throwing a lot of weight around and shigaraki went along with it basically just so he could fucking take this guy's arms later and yeah. it's so savage and just messed up and it i really vibed on how villainous shigaraki is here yeah he's and then great. he takes the serum both the take your quirk away and give your quirk back to you serums and so now that is in the possession of the league of villains and i do yep. not know what they're going to do with it because we don't see any more of them except for one uh in the instance that uh there's a hero named endeavor he is one of the he's the fire and ice guy in izuku's class he's his dad he's a big fire boy uh he's kind of an asshole um and he was the number two hero but now he's the number one hero because all might who was the number one hero is retired and the problem is that endeavor is kind of an asshole and everyone knows it versus all might who whose whole deal was like saving people with a smile and was like you know projecting optimism and hope out endeavor is not that and now he's kind of feeling the weight of being number one he meets up with another hero named hawks who is so cool but uh you know we don't have a lot of time for hawks because then they get attacked by a nomu we've seen nomus before and uh indeed since the first one that we mentioned uh this one i i guess is called high end and uh it is super dangerous and Endeavor has to go all out in his fight against it. Yep. And that's and, the uh, end of that season. Um, yeah. He barely wins. <sighs> and then I- Izuku has a dream. A special, yeah. special dream that they'll go more into in season five. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's it. Uh, this is going to be our primer. Um, I know it was down and dirty. But um, if you just want a, a quick primer to get you ready for season five, this is an hour of ten minutes that you'll never get back um so anyways this uh, is about the length of two and a half episodes in exchange (laughs) for the content of 90 episodes (laughs) all right um well uh we will see you for normally scheduled programming later this week bye Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind podcast network Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 13 sound wizard. 13? Did he jump even more levels? He gained a lot of experience by defeating the Dark Lord of Smooth Jazz. Do you mean Chuck Mangione from King of the Hill? Rashad is the King of the Hill now. Damn it, Bobby. Anyway, our podcast is ad-free, and if you want to keep it that way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash getjumped. Also, we have a Discord server. You can find the links to that on all of our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New review episodes come out every Monday, and new rewatch episodes appear every Friday. And hey, thanks for listening. 
Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, owner and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind. We interrupt your awesome, regularly scheduled programming to ensure you're aware of The Geekly Grind podcast network, of which this show is a treasured member of. If you haven't had a chance to check out our site, you can do so at thegeeklygrind.com, and while you're there, take a look at the other members of our steadily growing podcast family, including the anime-centric Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, discovering new heroes on comic book keepers with Chris and Lance, exploring the vast universe of geekdom with Geeksploration, or appreciating animation's finer details with JD's Ink and Paint Club. Escape your weekly grind at the Geekly Grind. <laughs>